You're listening to the itch. My name is KC. My name is Dan. And I'm Aaron. And this week we are scratching the itch to dive into a different part of the music industry. We've had a lot of interviews with a lot of great artists recently, but there's more to being a successful musician than just making good music. One thing that the oxymorons talked about a little when we spoke with them was how no matter how good you are and no matter what you put out, it still has to break through certain barriers and it's supposed to be heard by by the right people and by, you know, obviously the more the merrier in terms of hearing your stuff. And so there are other people in it, in the industry whose job it is to help with that. And so we have brought a master of that line of work in to explain some of that to us tonight. So we have Amy Chiaretto of Adam Splitter PR with us, and we are very excited to speak with you. Well, thank you. I'm excited to be here. So first off, we, we know you hate the label that Radio and Records Mag bestowed upon you as the queen of metal. So we'll just reference it this one time. I know. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a fairly accurate one when regarding to the breakdown of the aspects of your career as a deal of all trades. We honestly don't have time to cover all of it because you're a true grinder of the music industry. So <laughs> uh-huh. that sounds accurate. <laughs> <laughs> We were kind of hoping for listeners, could you kind of give us a real quick elevator pitch of the story of, of how you got from where you started music to where you are now? For sure. I can keep it as tight as possible because I've told this story so many times. Exactly. <laughs> but basically I started out, I knew what I wanted to do when I was in high school. You know, there was never any guesses for what field I wanted to go into. I used to watch the MTV VMAs and I knew I wanted to work with the bands. I couldn't be on the stage, but I wanted to be the person behind the stage with the clipboard and the headset. And I started out just writing in high school, writing for music, local music magazines. I grew up right outside of Philly um, in New Jersey. So I started writing for local music magazines and that just spiraled and spiraled. I ran my college radio station in college. I ran the school newspapers music section and I picked up more writing gigs and internships. And then I got hired out of college at CMJ which was the college music journal. And within a month, two months, I'd say three months of starting there, they uh, moved me from just an editorial assistant to the, to the loud rock editor position, which I loved the job. I was there for I think three and a half years. And then um, Roadrunner had offered me a job several times and I took it in 2001. So I went to work in the Roadrunner radio department, handling all metal and hard rock radio and video, and also doing video promotion for like all the rock radio bands like Nickelback and stuff like that. And I was there at Roadrunner for I think almost 13 years. And then things started changing. Uh, I moved from the radio department and the video department to the press department. And then things started changing there pretty drastically. And uh, I started my own company, my own PR company, which is Adam Splitter PR. And that's how we are now. And I started that in 2013. I still work with probably 80% of the bands I worked with at Roadrunner. Oh, wow. Um, and then started working with a bunch of other bands too. It's a PR company, which if people don't know what PR is. It's basically making sure that all the bands that we work with do interviews on tour, do interviews when they're at home, do interviews when they have an album coming out, do interviews when they have something coming out. Don't do interviews, do, you know, make sure that they're connected, you know, with the media, whether it's doing interviews or not doing interviews and making, you know, keeping their mystique high, Mm. or it's just talking to everybody that they can talk to because they're a developing band and new, or, you know, just getting the media always talking about them. That's pretty much what, what our job is. And, you guys have I mean, a sloppy explanation. No, <laughs> no, it's good. It's good. Oh, it's great. You, uh, <laughs> you condensed that 
I've done it many times. I was I can tell you. I can tell you. You've got it down. <laughs> and to speak of, you know, keeping people in the media and whatnot, we definitely owe you a debt of gratitude. We connected with Amy and her team about a year ago. And since then, you guys have connected us with a handful of interviews. We got to speak with members of Saul uh, from Ashes to New, all good oh, yeah, things. Good yeah, the Dead Deads, which was a great, a great one. Yeah, and they're starting to, they're starting to pop off. They're starting to get some real notoriety too. Yeah, so yeah. they deserve them it on the ground floor, which is great. Yeah, they very yeah. much deserve it. The Violent, you spoke of some bands having kind of a mystique. The Violent had that going for a little while uh, yep. before they kind of publicly revealed who they were. Yep, they my- got that EP coming out soon too. I'm super excited. Yep. <laughs> I love hearing that. Yeah, they're a very different band because, you know, Mike has his history with Red Sun Rising, but right. uh, it's a very different style. And he's just a really fascinating, really creative, awesome dude. So we, we love talking to him. That yeah. was that was awesome. Yeah, that was a great <laughs> one. And, and we're super hyped about this. This EP. Yeah, no, that's great. Also, happy uh, 10 year anniversary or so. Isn't is that right? Is it Adam Splitter turning 10 now? It'll be 10 at the end uh, early next year. Yeah. Early next year. All right. Well, nine okay. years. We'll wow. take that. Wow, that's a long time. <laughs> <Yeah>. Right. <laughs> and it was like a hundred years. <laughs> well, in, and humorously, before we started recording here, or maybe after I hit record, but before this part, um, we discovered that we may have actually, as the itch, interacted with Amy when we were in college, uh, because she was, like you said, doing the metal and the, like the rock stuff for Roadrunner. Any, if any radio station, whether it was a college station, community station, online station, commercial radio station, no matter what it was, if it had metal programming, whether it was five nights a week, every night at two in the morning on a Saturday <laughs> or a Friday, I it was my job to make sure that you know we super served their needs with all of the Roadrunner releases and access to the bands and tickets and stuff like that. So there was probably I probably did have some interaction even if it wasn't direct with your station with the, directly with you guys. Yeah, nice. I think I think I, you know, off the top of my head for whatever reason I, I don't know if this is right, but like Revolution Smile comes to to mind. Like there was a like a, a one off or a couple of uh, singles that we were getting, and, and so that does sound familiar. Like I I wouldn't be surprised if we did get some singles or some promotions from you. It's, it's such a small. <laughs> it's world. funny it's awesome. that you mentioned Revolution Smile because. I love Sean Lopez because Far is one of my favorite bands in, in the whole world. Like I have uh, Far lyrics tattooed on me. So, and oh. uh, you know, I, I loved when I got to see, like when I met Sean Lopez, when Revolution Smile was on Ozfest, I was like starstruck by him. And it's like Revolution Smile, nobody knows who they are, but I just loved him from being Sean and Far. So I was like, <laughs> oh my God, I can't even talk to him because I love Far so much. So. That's awesome. <laughs> nice. And I'm yeah. never starstruck because I work with celebrities and band dudes all the time it's just like i love everything that he did so much that you know i was like i can't i was almost being shy to t- just awkward and to tell him how much I love <laughs> that's funny you mentioned that because that was actually one of our questions if you do get starstruck at all because you've met so many people no honestly no i mean when i was an interviewer i mean i interviewed everybody from phil anselmo to you know uh before i started working at roadrunner to Corey taylor you know to um uh, Henry Rollins, uh, to Maynard James Keenan. I've talked to everybody. I, I interviewed Leonardo DiCaprio face to face, right? That's not easy because he's so good looking. You like everything <laughs> yeah. you see on the screen, it's better in person. There you go. I mean, there he's you go. so good looking on the screen and in person, it's like I like your knees go weak. He's nobody <laughs> that good looking. He was just, he's just, he's a work of art. It just that face. And I interviewed him face to face. I interviewed Nicholas cage face to face. Cause I used to do press junkets for um, artists direct when I would write about movies. And um, I never get starstruck. I just talk to people, you know, it's just, I'm just very chill about it, you know? 
And sometimes I, I find that if you're, if I was just like able to talk to them on a level, like Maynard James Keenan, I mean, intimidating, intimidating human being, intimidating artist. And when his publicist set me up, she's like, ah, you, she goes, you'll be fine with him. He, you, you get it. You're, you ask the questions. And the first thing I did was talk to him about his vineyard that he had. And yep. it was called, it's called Merkin. And most people wouldn't know what a Merkin is. I mean, do you guys, can I say what it is? I mean, it's, yes, say what it is. Yeah. I, I Merkin don't is a dickwig. So it's like <laughs> basically, you know, people like, and the reason I know that is because Robert Schimmel was one of my favorite comedians and he did a bit about how when he went through cancer treatment, you know, he thought he was going to lose all of his hair, including pubic hair. And they have things called a, these dickwigs called Merkins. And when I said to Maynard, I was like, is it a Merkin? Like a dickwig? He goes, uh, I love that you know that. And the fact that I knew that, he knew that it was going to be a good interview because most people would not have known it or asked it. So that broke the ice. I was like, is it American like a dick week? He's like, yes. <laughs> so that was why, um, you know, we had a great interview. And same thing with Henry Rollins, who's a notoriously tough interview. And I interviewed oh, yeah. him about his work with the West Memphis three case. And he was like, and I remember I was, his publicist told me, make sure you know your shit before you ask him questions. And he was at the DMV and he answered the phone. And he was like, yeah. I was like, hey, it's Amy. I'm doing an interview. He's like, go ahead. And it was like, he was just very, <laughs> he was just tough, but he was fun. But it was like breaking the ice was a little hard. That, so, that wow. sounds total uh, Henry Rollins right there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, at the day, the, one of the days I interviewed Dave Mustaine, who I actually worked with at Roadrunner when he was signed to Roadrunner, when I interviewed him for CMJ, it was the day that Jason Newstead left Metallica. Oh. <laughs> it was like a day or two later. And I was like, talking to him. And I just said, Hey man, I, I hear there's an open position in Metallica. And he was very, very genial and had this very good sense of humor about it. So I was like, wow, that could have went totally the other way. And it did not <laughs> Wow. So I got him on a good day. That's awesome. So there really isn't anybody then that's gonna, that's, that's likely to, <laughs> uh, to take you off guard, unless you find another super handsome, you know, Leo type, but. Oh my God. He was just like, <laughs> Wow, that was just, it's he's too pretty. I mean, you he is pretty. he is where he is in life because when you look that good, it's just there's it's it's jaw drop. Just wow, he just <laughs> he came out of a boat like just he's just beautiful. And you know, Philip Anselmo was real great to interview. He's very, 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 very conversational. And Ozzy, I just couldn't understand him really, but it was, <laughs> it was very. He was just wonderful and personable and, and and affable. But I was just you know his accent's really thick. Yeah. So did you, did you just ask him to sing his responses? No, I should have. Yeah, They're a lot like, clearer that like, way. God, yeah. I hope this recorder is catching this and, you know, getting the high quality. So when I transcribe <laughs> it, I know what he's saying. It's <laughs> uh, awesome. We definitely want to thank you because if, you know, if it wasn't for you, we wouldn't have been able to meet some of the people that we've met. And it's, it's just been incredible uh, being able to kind of realize our dream. Like we did the radio for quite some time, but we didn't have yeah. as much success interviewing people as we have with the podcast. So uh, yeah, we just definitely want to extend our, our gratitude uh, for your you know assistance in getting us to helping us realize yeah. our dream. That's what I'm here for. I mean, sometimes, like I said, it's a band by band basis, like a case by case basis. Yeah. Some bands that we work with do tons of interviews. Some do very limited interviews because they've been doing it for 20 years and they do very limited stuff. And some bands just, you know, they just uh, some of them don't talk as much because they let the music do the talking. So it's, yeah. it's really just it's it's dependent. And it's also dependent on like a lot of some of our bands get like ridiculous amount of requests. And when I have one hour, I, right. They're, they're just physically impossible. Yeah. So, you know, it's like, I always try to keep the door open in case something opens up or whatever, but it's like, I'll just always be honest. Like, you know, I wish I had endless hours and the bands had endless hours, <laughs> but when they're going yeah. on tour and they, and they're, or they they have a show, you know, and they, um, some of them, I can't get a lot of time because they're, they have to make sure their voice is 
you know, perfectly on point for the show that night. So, you know, they, some of them, like Matt Hafey doesn't do interviews day of show because he's got to make sure his voice is totally on point. And I, I, I don't blame him for that. That makes total I, sense. I, I support it, obviously. And I think it makes sense. Yeah. An example of that, that we can speak to trying to reach out is we were trying to get a hold of the pretty reckless and uh, you, you politely said, no, they're not, they're not doing anything at this time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we get uh, like, so, like hundreds of requests a week for them and we get really limited time. You know, it's yep, like, yep. I wish that it was endless, but you know, it's like, you can always ask. And so I, right. you know, I'm okay with people asking, but I can't, <laughs> I don't always have the answer that they want. And some people are cool about it and some people are not. Right. I, at least I respond. There's a lot of people out there who don't even bother to respond to say no. I believe that, you know, at least give people an answer. Right. And we definitely also wanted to um, say thanks to your staff as well, because we've we've uh, talked to a lot of them as well. Yeah, Mike and Tim and Monique. Yes. They're all great. Yeah, we have a great team. Seth, it's, um, yeah, I couldn't do this without having a great team that works with me. Yeah. Yeah, it's a we've had great interactions with every person that we've talked to on on the team. So just, you know, a shout out to any artists or labels that happen to be listening to this. Yeah, like (laughs) Adam Splitter is good people to work with. Check them out. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, we certainly appreciate that. Kind of going off of what you were just saying, would you say that interview booking and, you know, maybe you mentioned uh, before, like concert tickets and that kind of thing, is that is that really the the majority, like 90% of what you guys do, or are there other elements to these, to these campaigns that you can kind of enlighten us on a little bit? Oh, I mean, inter- setting up interviews and, and tour press and yeah, that that's like, that's like, a, like a third of the job really. There. Like, okay. The job, the job is like, I always explain to it this way. It's like publicity, um, public relations is the tree and publicity is a branch of that tree and public relations is the perception and and how the media portrays you and how you're seen by the media and how you put yourself out there and mm-hmm. it's your imaging and it's your narrative that's the big picture and then there's branches on that tree of public relations which is the actual publicity which is doing interviews um servicing music out to the media getting reviews, pitching coverage, pitching tour dates, pitching calendar listings in the local markets. But also another branch of that tree is the interviews that some of the artists don't do. We just have some artists that are just, they don't do a lot of press and that makes people want them more. It makes their, their image. When somebody's ungettable, what happens when you want a pair of shoes and they sell out, you know, like those <laughs> Yeezy sneakers, you know, and those sell yeah. out and people just want them more. So it's like that similar, you know, you want what you can't have, you know, and, and it just, some of our artists, you know, do very limited press and it's, you know, it helps, it keeps their, the mystery and they're not as quite as accessible because they, they are these creative people and they want to keep some of that aspect of that creativity you know, they don't want to take the lid off of it all the time. The press you don't do and not doing press is also a strategy. Um, but we also, we process ticket requests, photo pass requests, because some come from outlets that want to run a photo gallery. And some, we get a lot of requests from aspiring portfolio photographers, which no. we can't always do. Sometimes we can, sometimes <laughs> we can't, depends on the band. Some bands are like, yeah, well, it's fine. We'll give people a chance. And other bands are like, I don't want photos out there of me that I didn't approve. So, which I said, the public relations tree your image is also your visuals and how you're portrayed out there. And if somebody's taking lousy photos of you, you know, or a photo that you just don't think is flattering, nothing to do with the photographer. Still just saying you don't look flattering and you don't like how you look, you know, you want to control that. So sometimes it's controlling how many people have access to being able to produce those images. So 
it's everything from just telling your story, you know, to creating the story, to shepherding the narrative, making sure that, you know, what's out there about you is positive and, and correcting misinformation. I have an artist who has tons of misinformation about them all the time and it's lingered. And sometimes 50% of my job is correcting media outlets that didn't fact check and say mm. something or ask me about this artist. And they say, oh, well, they did this. No, that's not true. Like that's a room, like that's your job as the media to, to but my job as the publicist to make sure that the media knows that the facts are correct. And if they fact check with me, you know, I'm happy to give them the correct information because that's my job. So, um, yeah, it's writing press releases, writing copy, um, you know, prep, preparing bands for a tour, preparing bands, media training bands, so they know how to do interviews because some of them don't know how to do it. Or if they have certain things that they they don't want to talk about, it's just about just how to address that and how to do it. So it's it's a lot of stuff that's not front facing that people don't don't see. That leads into a, a question that I kind of had for you. It, this is kind of a chicken or the egg question in regards to PR. Um, who tends to reach out to hire your services first? Is it the bands themselves or the record labels? It depends. Yeah. A lot of t- like a lot of bands that I work with, I've been working with since I worked at Roadrunner. And a lot of them are relationships with managers that, you know, I met through working at Roadrunner and working on their bands and they hired me to work their other bands on other labels. But a lot of time it's usually the label or the manager. A lot of times when b- bands reach out directly, it's usually uh, up and coming bands that we're, yeah. we're not really doing a lot of stuff with developing bands unless they're on one of our label rosters, you know, mm-hmm. um, because a, a lot of bands aren't ready for PR. They don't know what it entails. And I really prefer to work with managed bands because they're expected some that the manager manages the expectations, manages the band, manages all those other things. And sometimes when a band doesn't have a manager, they sometimes, you know, it can, you can kind of fall into a de facto role as a manager, which is not something I want to do. It's just, it's just not what I do. So it's mostly the labels and the managers that come to us. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. So when you're working with labels, do you prefer to work with like major record labels or like small independent record labels? I like both. I, you know, it's two totally different experiences in some ways and t- totally the same in, in others. Um, but I, I like to, I prefer to work with like labels and do multiple projects for them, almost serving as like their in-house uh, PR agency because it allows us to work with them long term. It allows us to embed with the project. It allows us to invest even more and it allows us to work on initiatives that can go long term. So if we're working on something, you know, and we're getting close, we can keep getting closer if we're like trying to get a big look or a TV appearance or a major look or a cover or something like that. So I definitely prefer the the long term record label relationship, but indie labels, majors, you know, they all have, um, you know, just different ways of doing things, but in some of a lot of it's the same. It's just like a matter of, of size. Would you say it's more rewarding if like you get a indie band, uh, well, a band on an independent record label, like very successful, would you say it's more rewarding or, or, um, I say it's always rewarding because okay. even if a band signed to a major or assigned to an indie, everything you're getting for them, you're fighting for. It's yeah. not like, you know, yeah, a lot of people are coming to us for our bands, but we are, most of our pitching is outbound. We're trying to find new things and new yeah. ways and, and new places to put them and, and new people to connect them with. And like certain outlets, we love exposing some of our smaller bands and developing bands and getting people in on the ground floor with them so that, you know, you can kind of grow with them. You know, if we have a new outlet that's growing and trying to get content, you know, we like to connect them with our developing bands too, because they can kind of come up together, as we say. Yeah. Would you, is it, uh, is it a thing in, in the industry for there to be like, uh, 
I don't know ex if exclusivity might be the word like you talk about you know we represent you know some bands and have these long-term relationships with different labels like are there labels where you do or have literally represented the entirety of their roster or is it still oh, yeah. always kind of a okay no we we work 95 percent of the bands on fearless we work a really big chunk of bands on roadrunner mm -hmm. we do a lot of bands for rise records we do um everything on spine farm uh we're working a lot of most of the projects on unsd so yeah we're we do have those relationships and i love it because you know closed casket activities is another one because a lot of their stuff is just really awesome and up and coming and cool and all the you mm. know the cool press of the world loves them and we love them <laughs> you know we get to you know work expo help expose those really awesome bands that are on the way up so and i prefer that because it allows us to tell the label story too you know yeah, we get yeah. to help the label grow as a company and that's really rewarding as much as it is helping bands to grow I've seen, yeah, I've seen PR firms out there that seem to really almost exclusively represent like kind of, how you call them like legacy acts. Mm -hmm. um, but one thing that I've noticed is really cool in looking over the Adam Splitter roster is like, you've got like legends on there, like Alice Cooper and people like that. Yeah. But then you also have like a Code Orange you guys have done stuff with who. Yeah, we do tour press for them. Yeah, yeah. part of Roadrunner. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Who is, who is like one of the like it like up and coming bands being talked about in the, in the industry at the moment. So there's a lot of diversity in, in sound and in, you know, like kind of place on the totem pole, the rising stars, the established ones, all that yeah, kind of thing. We, it's really like, I love the diversity of it. I mean, we have, um, insane clown posse, Alice Cooper, kill switch engage in this moment. Um, but then we also, you know, work with this rapper Hobson, who's amazing and mm -hmm. has billions of streams. And he's just, every time I set him up with an interview, he does maybe one a month. And every time I, the, <laughs> the interviewers come back, they're like, that guy is amazing. They're like, he is inspiring as fuck. And I'm like, yeah, he is. He's really <laughs> just one of those guys. He's just really awesome that way. You know, and the ICP guys, man, they're like, they are just, people just love them because they've just done it right and they have a true community and that's mm -hmm. amazing to watch and be a part of you know and alice cooper i mean he's in his 70s and the reason he's had the longevity that he has is because he's a consummate professional mm -hmm. and he's a genuinely awesome human being and all his success has been earned and goodness attracts goodness you know he's a good dude and um you know the the love that people have for them for him is has been earned you know for what he's done over the course of his career and to watch that and to be a part of it is you know i'm blessed and privileged and honored every day to be a part of that that's awesome thank you one thing i wanted to ask just because you know a lot of the things you stated before was like press releases and, and trying to you know manage an image do you think the prevalence or the emergence of social media uh, has assisted in that or has it hint, like almost made your job a lot harder? Uh, it can be both. Uh, here's the thing, like on social media, no, nothing on the internet dies. So a lot of times bands, band dudes and band people will say stuff and do stuff and then they might delete it, but it's been screenshotted yep. before they even said it, you know, it's that quick. And sometimes you have to clean up some of those messages. And some people think, you know, that social media provides um, a little bit too much access to the artist. However, it's like, I always say that like fans out there, you know, can't follow every and consume from every single member of every one of their favorite bands. Right. So that's why they go to those third party sites and media outlets because they get the information for all the bands they like in one place. They don't have to keep scrolling through a bunch of different Instagram feeds or Facebook feeds. They can mm -hmm. find it all out by going to Loudwire or Blabbermouth or Metal Sucks or Metal Injection or Stereo Gum and Pitchfork. And that's where they get that third party, you know, 
information, but they also get the, the bands get the third party validation where people who are tastemakers and who are experts in, in these genres, you know, put their stamp on something. So you can go on your favorite band dude's Instagram and see what they ate for lunch or, you know, see what new car they got or something, but it's not that it's not the same as when you have a media outlet who is covering it and giving it the validation and giving it the support and also giving it through a lens. But I think social media, I mean, I'm like I said, I love Instagram because I can go through there and find things that I want to buy or things I like, (laughs) or things I want to support or learn things about brands that I like, but you know, I don't really do Twitter. I think Twitter is a cesspool. Um, (laughs) And I think Facebook is becoming like where you can't have conversations. Everybody's fighting about politics and it's like, right. I don't want to go on there. I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to see it. I don't want to deal with it, you know? And so many people are are like battling over Facebook and it's like almost like watching like American gladiators in some cases, (laughs) you know? And it's just like, oh my God, get off Facebook and go live life. There's a beautiful (laughs) all out here. (laughs) So, uh, but no, I think social media, you know, it's good and bad. I do think some bands use it for good and they can communicate with their fans that way. But I also think, you know, if somebody's, you know, sometimes it can be a problem if you're putting too much out there too. That's with anything in life, you know, moderation is, is really um, the best way to be. I think personally with everything in life, because if you overdo it, you see what happens when you overdo it, whether you're drinking, whether it's eating, spending money, you get into debt. It's like, you know, balance is really good. Yeah. That actually leads us into a a question that we kind of had. Dan, Dan had a, a question about damage control. (laughs) <laughs> yes, you know, without naming names, can you think of any time where your firm had to go into overdrive because of a situation? Oh, uh, all the time, yeah. All the time. <laughs> it happens a lot. You know, and sometimes we'll, you know, we can advise on that kind of stuff too when people are dealing with that. But it's just like you have to just address it in the moment, find out the facts, you know, and help to navigate it. And sometimes the best way to navigate a, t- a tough situation is just to be, to just don't don't react. Don't be reactionary. Don't be a reflex. Gather your thoughts, gather your emotions, gather what you want to say. And, and you can get a lot more done that way. And sometimes it takes a minute and everybody wants the instant, you know, answer or apology or statement about something, but sometimes it's not always that easy. And um, you have to kind of like, think of your audience and think of your fans and think of the people who are involved in whatever the situation is. And you have to just handle it like an adult and almost handle it. Like it would be like in the court system where you just have to be fair and you have to address things fact by fact by fact. Yeah. And sometimes you can't always do that because there could be legal matters. It could be, you know, he said, she said, it could be, you don't want to, you don't want to stoke the fires of the drama and the Reddit, you know, sub threads. (laughs) So it's, yeah, it can be quite a labyrinth to deal with for sure. Can you think of any particular situation that you didn't have to deal with that you saw from the outside and, and kind of thought, I'm glad that's not my problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like a lot of times for sure. Yeah. You see it and you're just like, oh my God, I don't want to be that person. I mean, my always, the hardest thing I've had to deal with, you know, on publicity side is dealing with any time an artist dies. It's, yeah. it's, first of all, you're, you lost somebody that you personally care about. You lost, you have people that you care about lost somebody that they care about and was in their band, you know, and it's not a coworker. It's like their creative brothers yep. and um, just navigating that can be really tough. A lot of times there's misinformation out there and you have to correct that misinformation and you have to be the person that's, you know, when Kyle from we came as Romans passed away. I mean, it was a Saturday and I was literally out somewhere. And I was just on the phone responding to messages and texts and emails and calls from CNN and TMZ and all these major outlets because, you know, a story like that is 
it's a headline grabber when somebody so young dies and it's tragic. And it was a really, really tough time when Paul Gray from Slipknot died. That was the hardest professional day of my life. I lost somebody I cared about. People I love lost somebody that they cared about, you know, with their bandmate. And I was with them a long time and I was there at the press conference in Iowa. And it really was so difficult and emotionally harrowing that I remember I got home to my hotel that night and threw up because I was just so, mm-hmm. I went through the ringer with those guys on that. And it, it was really sad and just, it was really heartbreaking. And uh, that's the hardest part is because you just have to, you know, you have to be strong, but you also have to deal with your own pain and helping people that you care about deal with their pain over it. So it's really, it's really, really, really tough. Yeah. That's, that's when I don't, I don't, I'm always like, I know what that feels like. And I, I, I hate it. And yeah, of course, I mean, death is tragic, but every time it happens, it's just like, oh, this never gets, there's no playbook for this. There's no rule book and it uh-uh. never gets easier. You know, it's, it can never be wrote because these are human beings, you know? Well, and especially in the the music industry where yeah. the death can, I mean, it comes in so many different forms. So it's, it's just. Yeah. And when Kyle from We Came As Romans passed away, I mean, I was in regular contact with his dad. You know, here's a man who lost his son, a grieving parent. And that was very painful to watch him go through that. And that's why I said it was like my obligation and my duty and, you know, to help make sure that any stories about his son were, were positive, were, were not negative and saying things about him that weren't true. Cause there's a heartbroken man. Imagine reading things about your son that aren't true, you know? Right. So I want, I made it my goal to make sure that the stories, you know, did not print misinformation. You know, there's a man that was dealing with a lot of pain and, and a band was dealing with a lot of pain. And we wanted to make sure that there wasn't things going around that, that weren't true because processing that loss is hard enough and you don't need you know, a lot of mistruths and misinformation out there. It can be really hard to get to reach those people to make those corrections sometimes. You know, as people post it and then they move on. That's the kind of thing that I really hope that the more people take notice of and, and hope, hopefully people is particularly listening to this is when once it's out is, you know, you guys do have a business relationship with these artists and the labels and stuff like yeah. that, but it's not purely a business relationship. Oh, God, then, this is for like family. Yeah. And the nature right. of the relationship it, itself your relationship is to cultivate relationships yeah. like you, you are crafting and helping them craft how they interact with the rest of humanity, with the public, yeah. with, with their listeners and fans and whatnot. Um, and so, yeah, that's, there's, that's just really fascinating to, to hear you, you know, tell some of those stories just about um, how deep and personal, nobody's going to think about the fact that it might be in your line of work to, you know, comfort and protect a grieving parent. Like yeah, that's just by protecting a reputation, you mm-hmm. know, and making sure information is correct. I mean, it's really hard. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a priority. That's a priority. And that has nothing to do with music that has to do with, you know, just doing the right thing. Right. That's just a dignity issue right there. Yeah, I've got, so. exactly. A hundred percent. It's hard because you have to put your own emotions aside and you just have to be as professional as you can, but yeah, most of the, and, and deal with your own pain. I mean, most of these bands are like family. I know the wives, I know the girlfriends, I know yeah. the kids, I know yeah. the, yeah. I know the social security numbers. I've booked the flights. I know people's real names. You know, I like, <laughs> yeah, I know I've been there when they've had battles. I've cried with some of them. I've, I've fought with many of them. I know the families I've been to their houses. I've spent a lot of time with them. I have carried things that they've asked me to carry places for them. You know, I've done, I've been in the trenches and the shit with them and, and you can't not deeply care about people when you're working that closely with them. Maybe if I can, I can segue, you know, you, you, you mentioned Slipknot and I know that, you know, that band yeah. has been a huge part of, of your personal story and music. Oh yeah, for um, sure. 
and so it got me thinking like to, to maybe take a little bit more of a, a comic uh turn from here yeah, we, thinking, can, we can lift the mood <laughs> yeah i'm thinking about no I, yeah and, and i i greatly appreciate that that line of of conversation we're, ha- we're yes, having there as well yes. but um i'm thinking of strong personalities in the music industry where even if you do have a good pr from behind you it ultimately is going to be up to that person to choose what they want to do and so i that's where it brings me to a person like Corey taylor who is you know infamously opinionated and independent and very intelligent too. And incredibly so, intelligent. He's yeah. not doing yeah. anything that he hasn't thought about and doesn't believe. Does someone you like know? that? Like, does someone like like that uh, make the job easier for you or or more difficult? Because they 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 might be the kind of person who could say something that might get them in trouble, but they're also the kind of person who is likely savvy enough to know how to navigate those waters. Yeah, pretty Corey well. Taylor is a he's like an anomaly because he's brilliant. Um, he's well-spoken, he's charismatic, he's captivating, he's smart, mm-hmm. um, he's an amazing human being, and he's got the gift of gab, he can talk, <laughs> he's, you know, he, uh, I don't think he can get himself in a situation where, you know, he's, you know, in over his head. back up what he yeah. said, he, right, yeah, he right. had, he's a smart dude, you know, he's, um, and a personality like that everybody wants a piece of it so yep. it's like you <laughs> right. get him these big the, the big looks that he deserves by being a brilliant artist because of that personality i mean he's the great big mouth i mean he fills a room <laughs> i mean he is you know he's a, a like one of the best front men out there um you know he's not a big guy not a tall guy but he he can command he's got that presence and charisma and um he's a publicist dream because he's <laughs> he's got he's got you know sound bites and quips for days you know and he's great to hang out with you know i've spent a lot of time with them taking them to interviews and and hang, spending time with them and it was i have some of my best memories with him and with clown and with joey who mm-hmm. you know we lost last year which was devastating yeah. um uh you know some of my best memories at roadrunner with those guys and some of the craziest things were with those guys <laughs> were just like oh my I god <laughs> What am I going to do? What do I do? <laughs> and we have to give major kudos to you and to them because I mean, I think about Slipknot, they came out in the late, the late nineties, right before yeah, we got to college. And that was a band that for all practical purposes looked like a gimmick in a genre that had a fairly short shelf life. And here we are almost 25 years later yeah. and they remain in no small part due to the work of you have yourself and, and people in, in your line of work too. And um, the roadrunner, the roadrunner machine that was behind yeah. them, you know, it was, you know, uh, I can say that, you know, we had a number one record with all hopes gone. We're exactly. sold that show at Madison square garden um, yeah. on that album, you know, the, some of the greatest, most proud moments of my career, you know, and like the darkest and the toughest is mm-hmm. being there with them when, when Paul died. You know, that, that, that was hard. And, um, those guys, um, nobody's doing what they do. They're making the music that they make and people can say what I remember. Like I used to, when I did radio roadrunner, some of those programmers who were like only like cannibal corpse and, and really super extreme metal would be like, this isn't metal. And I'd be like, I remember I would talk to my old roommate, Brad, be like, these stations are telling me this isn't metal. It sounds like metal to me, man. And I, right. listen, I listen to Cannibal Corpse and I listen to Behemoth and I listen to all this stuff. And this still sounds exact like metal to me. And I'm sitting there battling with people because it's, you know, oh, because it has a little bit of melody and because it's very popular. It's also fucking heavy. Yeah. You can't say that slip. I mean, slipknot sounds like metal to me. And for the people out there that say, oh, it's not heavy enough, I don't know. I, I, I'm not I, sure what you're hearing. Yeah, <laughs> I can't I can't think of, of many bands that uh, have 
that level of heaviness and that level of popularity together. Yeah, and you Usually, also have Joey who was like, yeah. I'm going to play with Gorgoroth and who was playing with, you know, doing all different things. And, and Corey, who was exploring different sides with Stone Sour, you know, mm-hmm. it's just, uh, yeah. like, I used to be like, what are, are you deaf? How do you think that this is not <laughs> metal? Because it is metal. Well, that's what I always appreciate with Corey Taylor, just on all the, his, his side projects and other avenues of doing different music is okay, I can, I can be with Stone Sour and sound this way, and I can be with Slipknot and sound that way. It's just kind of cool that I think more artists should do that. Yeah, he's, um, he's a special, he's, he's a special guy and with so much talent because he's got that scream and he's got that, you know, um, that, that voice and uh, great lyrics. I mean, Stone Sour really showed you what a great lyricist he is um, in a different way. You know, it's heavy in a different way with bother and stuff like that and, and um, through glass and songs like that. I did have to ask, were you a person that kind of connected Corey Taylor with the dead deads at all? No, that was not me. Okay. I, I was just curious. I was just curious. <laughs> nope, I had nothing to do with it. Just I mean, a nice six degrees of separation, but um, yeah, yeah. I had nothing to do with that. Is that ever something you guys have an influence on is trying to put together collaborations and what and things like I that? Mean, or we is can that... make introductions, but like yeah. on the A&R level, no, we don't really get to them. We get the finished product. Yeah. Okay. 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 Makes sense. But always happy to make the connections when they make sense. Yeah. Yeah. The Dead Deads actually bring me to a, a question that I want to ask. You know, they were a part of uh, this woman of rock movement that kind of s- has been going on for a while, but really came to a forefront last year. Um, yeah. So I just wanted to ask, you know, as, as a woman that's obviously worked her ass off to get to where she is uh, now, do you see a change in the rock industry? Do you think that there's being more or you see like even in the backside of it, that there's more women influence or more, uh, you know, different um demographic influence on the backside of the music industry as well as the front side well i think it's always there's always been women working in this field and i think especially in publicity it's a very female dominated field and i think it's because just you know you in publicity you have to serve two masters of media and the artist you have to always make sure there's a balance there when you have to serve two masters that's really hard because you might Mm -hmm. have somebody who's not happy you have to learn how to protect protect your client but also protect their media relationship and their image with the media and make sure that the that they're always portrayed in this best possible light that you can and i think women are really good at that achieving that balance I've always worked with tons of women in this field. So I, I, I would love to see more, you know, I think that yeah, rock and metal, I mean, that's a male dominated genre, but I don't think that's a bad thing either. I think that the girls and the women who are involved in it can hold their own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. for sure. <laughs> yeah, especially recently, like there's more and more that just keep coming on. Like you said, you know, the dead deads and then, and you guys, yeah, yeah we, we mentioned you guys have done work with the pretty reckless who just, yeah, like went next level last year with that album. It was, it was great. And Taylor is amazing. I love working with her. She's just a total professional and, and she's lives it, man. This, what you see is she like her love for Soundgarden and hearing her talk about it is is one of my favorite things. Cause I would sit on a lot of her interviews last year, just, you know, cause it was good for me to hear, you know, to get that deep insight into the record. So I could, you know, come up with uh, other ways to pitch it. And it was the best way to get that insight was listening to her talk to people. And I, I just love hearing her talk about her love for Soundgarden. And, you know, I worked with uh, Hailstorm for a couple of years too, when they were like in between records uh, and Lizzie, what you see is what you get. It, that is a hundred percent genuine, authentic and real. And, and Taylor is the same way, just real as can be. These are women who 
they are not doing it because it's a trend. They are doing it because they live it, they believe it, and they love it. And it's it's inspiring. It's inspiring to me, you know, to watch it. Yeah. Um. You know, Lizzie's just an amazing, larger than life personality, and yeah. so is Taylor in just two totally different ways. Maria from in this moment, same thing, very different way. She's like the Stevie Nicks of metal, you know. And she, <laughs> I've been working with her uh, nice. for years, and I think I've worked with them for like five or six years, and she's done maybe five interviews for me. And my, my job is telling people, hey, Maria's, you know what? Because Maria is. You know, she's she's on another level. And to get to her, it's a, I mean, she's done a lot of press and she's at the point where we don't need her to do a ton of interviews because she's at the, just the level that she is, you know, yeah. and yeah. and she's just in such a creative headspace that we just want to let the music do the talking as much as and, and Chris. <laughs> so but she's another amazing artist that just has, you know, built built from the ground up, you know, and, and her look and everything that th- the thought that she puts into everything with presentation is also really inspiring. I love to refer to her as the metal Beyonce. <laughs> I would, I would, I agree with that. I love it. I said Stevie Nicks just because she's just flows. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Like yeah. She just like fills the stage with flowing everything, hair, the dresses, <laughs> and everything. Um, it's just that that etherealness to it and angelicness almost. Like she's not of this world. But yeah, I would say Beyonce. I definitely think Maria Rivering has the Beyonce element. Like you know, I I totally get what you're saying. Lizzie Hale is probably my wife's favorite person in this world, even more so than myself. So, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, Lizzie's awesome. I mean, every time, you know, she just is, she just, you know, I root for her because she's just real. You know, I want her to win. I want her to have the biggest, you know, the biggest successes ever because she's just awesome. You know, anytime I asked her to do it, always on time. That's another thing. Like Corey Taylor was the same way, always on time, needed him, you know, like professional. Like these people are professionals and they might, people think, oh, it's rock music, everybody's partying. No, they're, pe- these people are where they are because they are professionals and because they do care and because it does, they are driven by this desire to succeed. And it's just our goal to help them stay on that, that path. Our job is to keep them on that path and help them get that success. To touch on that, I also want to note that I, I think. I think Lizzie Hale is is a master class in how to use social media to your advantage. Yeah. Um, and that woman has created a full on cult of personality yeah, just is. from Twitter and whatnot, you know? Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. I'm she, showing she, them when their bus caught on fire, like just like <laughs> showing that to people. Like I was like, wow. Yeah. She's, she's amazing. You know, um, can't say enough good things about her and, and the team behind them. Is that an example or are there any other examples that you can think of of an artist that you really wanted to represent that you just weren't able to get or uh, that, you know, you would have loved to work with? I mean, I, I feel like I'm so lucky. I mean, I, I I work with some of the best artists out there. Yeah, and there's tons of artists that I love that I don't work with. And I think it's either just, not, you know, they have somebody who's totally awesome, like the, the Hailstorm thing, like I just filled in because they had a long time publicist and I was just filling in while they were off cycle. And, um, you know, I respect and uh, the relationship that the people have. So I'm just like here to help wh- however I'm needed. You know, I just take the experiences of these artists and hold it really close and I'm lucky to work with them. But there's a lot of artists out there that I would love to work with that, that I don't. And that's just, you know, sometimes they have, they have an awesome, there's other publicists out there who are, who are so awesome and doing great things. And, um, you know, I support all my fellow publicists too, and in, in succeeding because, you know, it's a small industry and we're all doing the same thing and there's room for the table for everybody. So hold on. Hey, babe. Come here. Well, I was like, let me just give him. He's barking because he you're, wants me to. You're okay. There's a bone that's like inches from his face, and he wants me to get it for him. It's all <laughs> good. It's all good. You can, come. babe. What are you doing, babe? I think he's mad. He's not being interviewed. Yeah, I wanted Sorry. to. I want. No, you're, he literally. You're, you're he good. had a greenie, and he hid it because he hides them around the house next to the tub. 
<laughs> he barks and he wants me to pick it up and put it in his mouth, even though he could just bend over and pick it up with his mouth. He did walk by it for, for, for listeners. If you hear shaking in the background, it's the, it's yeah, the, that's dog, his, it's the uh, dog collar. That's but, yeah, he's got his tags yeah. on. He's got his name tag. He's got his um, St. Anthony tag on there. Cause I'm Catholic, you know, so in case he gets lost, he's got his rabies tags. He's got like his, uh, my mom loves me tag on there. He's got tons and tons of tags. We, we did want to ask you about your, your animals. Cause yeah. uh, your, your, email you have a picture of your dog on as your, yeah. your profile on your email yeah. <laughs> yeah it's everywhere it's on that's like my home screen on my iphone it's like my other dog is my pop socket custom pop socket on the other side <laughs> that's one thing that we that we another thing we're trying to do more in 2022 with interviews is um give people a minute to talk about something that they love that is outside of music. Sure. And it sure. would seem to me that, that that might just be your, your other great passion right there. Oh, it is. Like I thought, <laughs> I've talked about this like many times. Um, I work in animal welfare too. I volunteer at a dog shelter on weekends. Well, it's an animal shelter, yeah. um, but I work with the dogs Yeah, and I walk, I take dogs on walks, you know, just getting them out, giving them socialization, spending time with them. It's just, we're a pit stop until they get to their forever family. But I love doing it mm -hmm. because it teaches me patience because I work with a lot of dogs that are really strong and <laughs> don't have any manners and have been on the streets or, or I have a little bit of behavior issues and it teaches me patience and it teaches me um, how not to give up. It teaches me how to read the body language of the mm -hmm. dog to help them and, and get them to a better place. And that I can apply that into my work too. It teaches me patience when I want to get frustrated. <laughs> I think about just being patient seriously. And at, um, I also uh, was taking care of a, of a bunch of feral cats at oh, my wow. dad's house. Cause my dad used to feed all the, all the outside cats. Um, and then he got sick and he passed away at the top of COVID, but he had cancer. It wasn't COVID related. And he was getting chemotherapy and he would be like, go out and feed my cats. So um, <laughs> I took over that because he left his house to me. So I took over taking care of uh, some of the cats and I, I would document it on Instagram and Facebook. And I finally got, there was two cats that, that weren't feral. They shouldn't have been out on the streets. They were dumped. And I took me seven months to, to, to trap the one and get him adopted. Mm. Um, you know, and there was people following the saga for like eight months because it took me a long time. You can't just pick up a stray cat. Yeah. Like he could have rabies. He could have FIV. I have pets. You, and if you go to try and scoop one up, they will fuck you up. So I was like, I had to get like local trappers to get them for me. And it turned out to be great. Cause he got, wound up getting adopted and wasn't on the streets unfixed and fathering litters of kittens because right. kittens, like my, there was feral cats giving birth under the deck at the house and I had to rescue all of them. So I I'm very passionate about animal welfare. I want to get to the point where I do that like more, you know, mm -hmm. as I get older, I love it. I've been doing it for like eight years. My back is wrecked. I have to go to a chiropractor every week because I walk dogs that are like 85 and 90 pounds, mm -hmm. you know, and um, most of them are pit bulls and the breed that has a terrible reputation and it's unearned. Yep. Um, yes. Um, any dog can bite any dog, uh, chihuahuas, pitbulls, but pitbulls are always, it's a, like a breed. It's like a, a, almost a breed discrimination and it's horrible because I've worked with thousands of them. And I can tell you from my experience that it's one of the best breeds out there. People like always want to talk on Twitter. Oh, pitbulls are horrible. And those pitbull advocates are idiots. I'm going from experience. I'm going from almost a decade of experience. It's a great breed. You know, I, I've, I've been bit four times and it wasn't by pitbulls. One was, but it was never a bad bite. It was just the dog going to grab the leash and they got my hand, yeah. you know, and um, it's people have the wrong, the wrong perception of that breed. 
I get yeah, bit agreed. worse by smaller dogs. Like the smaller dogs right? are vicious. Yes. The smaller ones are the assholes because they, yeah. you know, they think yeah. they got to, they have a lot to prove. Like I one years ago, one little dog, I was sitting outside and he kept spinning. He kept circling me. I was like, is this little bastard going to? And he peed on me. He thought I was, I was peeing uh, like a urinal. <laughs> I was like, no pit bull has ever peed on me. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I love, I, I love my dogs. I have two bulldogs and one uh, and a black one eyed cat. And I love my dogs and, and my cat more than anything, more than any person and uh, <laughs> animals. I, I believe that, you know, um, uh, that uh, I don't trust people who don't like animals, especially dogs. And I think you can learn a lot about humans by the way they treat animals, you know, Agreed. And if we're good to the animals, they'll let us live when the apocalypse happens. <laughs> okay. Yeah, the, the, itch, the itch loves animals as well. We. <laughs> Yeah, I have a zoo in my here. house. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just like uh, so. I have two kids. They're uh, f- uh, six and three. One's, <laughs> one's about to be four. To and I literally, that, yeah. I have hermit crab. I have saltwater fish tank. I have a, a large f- uh, freshwater fish tank. I have a turtle. Uh, it's just yeah. We have all, two a dog. A dog. It's just yep. ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> I like that you started the zoo with your children. With your children. Yeah, yeah. That's the first thing. Yeah, you yeah. I was like, you just called your kids animals just now. Yes, they are. They're two boys. They're crazy. That's I was fair. just texting with somebody today and I was like, and he was like, I can't make it because, um, you know, I got to pick up my my kid. And I was like, oh, well, kid. I said, get it. Kids are the most important thing. They run your life. He's like, run or ruin. It depends on <laughs> what but he was Is that kidding. an autocorrect <laughs> issue or? Typo. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they're great. Um, <laughs> we got, <laughs> got about maybe 10 minutes on this recording. I, mean, I think Dan had one more main question. And then I had a short section that we can we can take or leave, depending on how you're feeling on time. But uh, yeah, just I, I mean, it's kind of a general question. But is there anything in the music industry that you can think of now that you would like to change or would, that you would like to see improved? Hmm. I would, I, I, I wish that kids, and I hate to say kids these days, the, the one thing that I, my, my nieces and nephews once said, and they were, they're all like their generation Z yeah. they're all born like in the late nineties, the nineties. When they said to me, uh, I was like, Oh, I want to go to the record store. And they said, what's that? And I was like, Oh God, <laughs> no. I spent most of my youth in a record store and like reading lyrics and looking at the artwork. I wish that people valued all that other stuff because it's a package. It's not just the music and the sounds and the lyrics. It's also that artwork. And I found bands that I liked by reading the thank yous in album liner notes. Mm-hmm. And I wish people looked at music as a more of a package and the skill of playing instruments. Cause I see there's so many things out there, like so much stuff that's like is that music you know like right, right. And i don't yeah. begrudge people it's just not what i prefer you know one oh, of my cats just jumped in the bed <laughs> <laughs> he wants to it's get in good. Good. The, dude chill out um sorry but um you know it's very um i just feel like i wish people looked at music as the full package because that's what it is yeah you know, the artwork ties into the lyrics and ties into the songs. And I spent hours absorbing that stuff when I was growing up. And, it, you know, I remember you're uh, like in college, my college boyfriend, I remember uh, it was so when you could get CDs or cassettes, you know, and 
I remember I said to him when I think it was Life of Agony Ugly came out and I was like, what did you get? Did you get it on CD or did you get it on tape? And he's like, I got it on tape because I wanted to listen to it in the car on the way home. I didn't want to wait till I got home to listen to it on CD because he only had a cassette deck in his car. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, that's like that's the kind of stuff where you got like that's what the love of music was so pure. <laughs> it's like I got to listen to it right now. So I'm going to get it on tape. Yes. I yeah. had the cassette de- deck too, but I had the little tape insert that plugged yeah, into yeah, my you CD. In there. <laughs> my little <laughs> my Walkman. Yeah. Yep. I remember that. Now yeah, we're yeah. dating ourselves. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. All those things are experiencing some degree of a revival right now. Yeah, it's, it's probably our like, generation, but yeah. Cassettes are like selling out. Like some of my bands I work with release like, you know, these record store day cassettes. I'm like, what are you playing that on? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> like I know vinyl has been making a comeback for a while yep. and CDs yep. yeah, still but, have always lingered a little bit, but cassettes. Yeah, but I know because it's the purity of this, of the audio quality, whereas mm-hmm. cassettes sounded like shit. Right. Yeah. They didn't sound good to begin with. So. <laughs> Like, what are we doing? Like every cassette player I've had just ate the tape. Ate them. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and if you wanted to tape over it, you put tape over those things on the top yes, so you could record yes. over it. Yes. Oh my God. That's I awesome. <laughs> All right. Uh, we we had we had one more thing I was hoping. Sure. So usually we do, you know, we call them rapid fire. A lot of shows do that kind of thing. For you, we thought it would be kind of fun if you're interested to do a rapid fire scenario where I can get, I'll give you a few completely fictional bands and a, a handful of facts about them. And then the idea would be that you would kind of give me what's your first impression of, you know, what am I going to do with these guys? Okay. Does that make sense? Like, sure. <laughs> all right. So it's the like first presentation. One, yeah. How am I going to yeah. present these? What's the, what are the first thoughts that come to mind? If you were real in, in real life presented with a band that was basically this. All right. So the first one is a young band. They have nothing more than a couple of stray singles that have grabbed, you know, some decent local attention. Uh, one member of the band is related to a celebrity outside of the music industry. Maybe he's an athlete or something. Uh, and the main vocalist is super talented, but notoriously shy. Hmm. Okay. Well, if they're related to a celebrity and the celebrity, they're okay with exploiting that fact. That's exploiting. Um, with capitalizing capitalizing yeah. uh, on that fact I think it's it's a talking point and it can grab people's attention and if you need to kick the door open that's a foot to kick huh. the door open um, and if the singer is notoriously shy well let's hope that the guitarist who writes a lot of the music um, <laughs> is really charismatic and chatty and maybe they can be a yin and yang having a, a shy or a quiet lead singer you know feels like an anomaly because they front the band but there are a lot of shy yeah men or that just don't aren't don't flourish in, in an interview space so let's hope the guitarist is really good at that or the drummer or the bassist <laughs> somebody else i handle it okay and so somebody can fill in the gaps yeah yeah okay thank you number two here uh veteran band they had some hits about 15 years ago or so but they've largely fallen off the radar and they currently only have about half of their original lineup because the uh the initial falling out it's probably not the singer the singer is yeah. probably long gone yep their initial falling out involved the singer and came with a lot of public inaccuracies about how how it went down. Well, we would do our best to correct the inaccuracies, focus on the new vocalist and why they are reinvigorating the band and um, try to capitalize on or reach 
uh, people who have a fondness and a nostalgia for the artist, people who loved them or grew up on them, or is like, oh, I used to love them. Try to, you know, get in touch with those people who are fans, but are also have writing jobs or editors and have a fondness and a nostalgia for some of those artists and, and tap into that emotional aspect and huh. see if they want to, you know, everybody loves a comeback story. So you always want to kind of um, highlight that too, because even when you like to see people fall, you like to see them get back up even more. Yeah, yeah, and there are plenty of bands out there who have had total second wins to their career. Of course. So it works. All right. Last one. A band that doesn't speak English and has no intention to, but is attempting to make it in North America after being successful in their home country. They've got like a lot of elements going on, like a great visual, a great cinematic show, a great look. If they're good, if the music's good, they'll get the attention. It doesn't right, so, matter if they don't speak English. So we, we've described the who. That's what I, that <laughs> yeah, was yes. my basis for the, yes. the Mongolian band, the who oh, yeah. <laughs> that's H-U. what I had in mind. Yeah. That one, the H-U. yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. I mean, people are, people are curious and they want to, and, and it's good. So well, cool. yeah, like you said, the sound is fascinating and really cool. Yeah. And so people gravitate anyway. Yeah. I, I got one more scenario, three guys that do a radio show for 16 <laughs> years, they turn it into a podcast. <laughs> What would you do to help get them some more listenership? <laughs> okay, yes. I would tell them, you know what, do a little, if you can do a little bit of social media advertising, throw a couple bucks there. If you can do what you can to promote it, try and, you know, build up an audience a little bit by you know, maybe talking to as many acts as you can and, and try to get your interviews, send them a blabbermouth, send them to like metal mm-hmm. injection and metal sucks and see if, if you've got a good sound bite. Hey, they told us this. Mm-hmm. That'll help you you get some build your listenership up for sure. Thank you. Yep. Appreciate it. Thank you. Be nice. I always say be nice. We appreciate it for <laughs> yes. thank you. Thank you for that that tidbit. That's really that's really helpful information. Um, no, I, I mean, I'm always happy to, to, you know, tell people what I tell you, share what I see being successful because we work with a lot of podcasts that started out doing nothing. It's just like, you know, sometimes they're just certain artists. It's just their, you know, the the pecking order. It's just it is yeah. what it is. You know, like if I got an hour with them, you know, and I've got probably 85 people asking me for time with them. And that's when you just have to kind of do what you can, you know, and it's not never personal. You know, it's just like, hey. Yeah, you maximize your reach and you give them to, yeah. And I try to help and say, hey, maybe we can get you with these guys who are doing a ton of interviews. And I appreciate (laughs) when somebody does that and says, hey, I'll talk to this band that's on the up and up. I'll remember that if I get an extra slot with another artist that they've asked for. And, you know, it's just about one hand washing the other when you can. Definitely. Yep. Well, thank you very much for joining us, Amy. I definitely appreciate the insight on behind the scenes of the music industry. And we we do appreciate your time. Yeah, Yeah, my pleasure. I definitely enjoyed uh, my time talking to you guys. You guys keep doing what you're doing. It'll keep growing. It'll be awesome. It will be, right, not, right. not be awesome. It'll continue to be awesome. <laughs> Thank, there you go. Thank you. Thank you. Not, aspiration, much. not aspirational. I'm not say, suggesting that it's not already awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but the awesomeness can grow. And that's, we yes. appreciate that. You yeah. can always, there can always be room for more awesome. Correct. Yes. <laughs> that is, is always this true. Is definitely true. Yes. <laughs> so thank you very much for listening to The Itch. My name is Dan. I'm Casey. And I'm Aaron. And until next time, rock on. If you enjoyed what you heard in this episode, please subscribe and tell a friend about the show. We've got plenty of links in the show notes to continue the conversation, including the episode's playlist. And you can interact with us on Twitter, Facebook, or through Gmail and itchrocks.com, all at itchrocks, I-T-C-H-R-O-C-K-S.